Hello, you're listening to Psychology Inside Out Podcast, where we take a look from the inside out at what makes the field of psychology so fascinating. We interview researchers, educators, fellow students, as well as experts, both professionally and experts by way of their own experiences with mental health. In this very first episode, we shared why we, your hosts, decided to study psychology. We also talk about how it was for us as university students in our 30s to go back to school. We reflected on the first year, experiencing student life during a pandemic, and shared some valuable study tips, which you can also find in the show notes. This episode was more of an introduction to who we are. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. So hello everyone. Hi Anna and hi Dee. Uh, my name is Eugenia. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. My name is Anna. Um, okay, so uh, let's start with uh, the introduction round. Um, so Anna, uh, could you tell us a little bit uh, more about yourself? Yes, yeah, so um, uh, my name is Anna Martins. I'm 32. I am on my second year of psychology at the VU University with you two ladies. Um, I um, decided to start to study psychology about two years ago. I worked mainly in the jewelry business. Then I moved to marketing, uh, property marketing. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to chat and share a little bit more about psychology and why we're doing this with you all. (laughs) Thanks, Heidi. Your turn. As as you said, my name is Heidi. Um, I'm 34 years old and uh, also going into my second year at the FU. I, a little bit about myself, I'm uh, half Dutch, half American. Uh, I've been living in Amsterdam now for the past three, almost four years with my six-year-old son. Uh, I moved here after Uh, studying in the United States. I have my bachelor's in um, English literature and German studies. And after I got my degree, I moved to California. Uh, I got married, had my son, and then bam, divorce. (laughs) And uh, it was time for a fresh start. So came back to the Netherlands uh, to be closer with family. And uh, in the process, was learning a lot about myself. I started going to therapy before I left and uh, realized, wow, everything that I'm learning in therapy uh, is actually very interesting to me. Or sometimes I come to therapy already prepared with the answers before my therapist can give them to me. So it kind of clicked and uh, that inspired me to start studying psychology here. So yeah, here we are. Thanks a lot. And yes, I'll share a little bit about myself. So my name is Eugenia. I am also uh, already a second year <laughs> psychology student. I am originally from Russia, from Moscow, and uh, yeah, I moved to Czech Republic and now I live in Netherlands for already six or seven years. And I'm 35 years old. Uh, I have a child, uh, Sophia, who is now eight months. And I must say that the first year um, of psychology at FU was a very interesting journey for me, definitely <laughs> juggling all this together. So um, I'm really happy also to have this conversation and that we can like talk a little bit more details how it was for everyone. Um, yes, and 
then yeah, maybe let's uh, talk a little bit more about why we actually uh, decided to get back to school. And um, yeah, so how was it for us? Because we are enjoying our thirties already. And yeah, what was actually, what uh, made us made the decision to get back to? Yeah, well, if I can start, I never really know, knew what I wanted to do. Um, for me, school was really hard. I was very friendly and uh, very social, but like really studying wasn't my thing. And I had no idea what to do with in life. You know, when I was 16, 17 in my last year of high school, I was very confused about what to do. So I decided to move from Brazil, which was, which is where I'm originally from. So I moved very early and I just decided to work. I did go back to Brazil and uh, study for almost a year on business. And I just understood that that wasn't for me. And um, yeah, and then I just dedicated to time to my professional life, which was great. I learned a lot. I really enjoyed working. I know that's something that um, it gave me pleasure. It was great to make money and to focus on my career. And I kind of put the studying on the back burner until I kind of start questioning things inside. You know, I start dedicating a lot more time to self-knowledge, reading books, traveling. And about three years ago, I think I've been actually about seven years ago, I started this journey on self-knowledge. And then I was like, I try everything from, you know, medicinal, uh, plant medicine, all the all things you can imagine on self-knowledge is studying religion. I studied Kabbalah for uh, a year. I did a Camino de Santiago and um, I did, I had a lot of different experiences. And then I just thought maybe the science is what is missing now. And I would like to know a little bit more. And then psychology was like the most logical step. And then I was thinking where to do, what to do. And, you know, it was a long process thinking because as you know, after 30, it's, things are a little different. There are a lot more pressure in what you have to do with your life. Actually, when you're young, you also have that pressure. But I think after 30, maybe we put more of that pressure on ourselves. And yeah, and then I apply, I apply in the UK because I lived, I was living in the UK for the last 14 years and I apply in the Netherlands and I pass on both, but I decided to go to the Netherlands and here we, here I am. And I'm very excited. It was the first year for me was an incredible challenge, very learning uh, from day one and reinventing myself and really learning how to study because I had no idea really I don't think I ever had that skill of how do you study so it was really challenging but I loved it I'm really excited I love I really enjoy learning the last year even though it was really challenging I think the content and I'm I know I'm on the right course I really really enjoy psychology so <laughs> And before we get uh, get uh, like you know further, so I'm just have a question also uh, why you moved to Netherlands? Why you decided like you know just curious Netherlands I, uh, instead of UK? I've been a few times to Amsterdam and I love the city. I was like, oh, it's such a cool city. You know, I would love to live here. In the UK, I was there for last 14 years, so. I knew the system. Um, I passed in the university there, but it was a lot more expensive. They would, you know, government pays for it, but it's 
about 10,000 a year just for the university. So I would leave the university with debt. And in the Netherlands, it's a really good quality international, um, very good geographically. The, I really like where it is the country. You can easily travel anywhere. And yeah, I think culturally would be a really good experience. So I decided to go. It was a place that I could you know, pay for myself. I wouldn't have to leave the university on debt. And so that was really a, a, num a different number of variants that made me decide. But I'm very excited to. I'm not there yet. I'm still in Portugal at the moment. So my life has been all over. It's a, a lot longer story, but I'm still in Portugal because I came here to do this first year. And um, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm moving in August. So exciting to be a real student. <laughs> Yeah, I guess COVID situation made a different change for everyone's plans. I guess we also maybe uh, covered this. Um, Heidi, yeah, so um, how about you? Why you decided to get back to school? Yeah, so a lot of those things that she's saying definitely resonate. <laughs> and maybe for all of us, they do. But uh, for me, moving, as I said earlier, moving back to the Netherlands, it was kind of like a fresh start. And I needed to figure out, okay, what what's this chapter of my life going to look like? Either I can start working again um, or I can go back to school. Those were you know, kind of some options I had. Um, and before I left the United States, I already was thinking about studying psychology, but also not, not thinking that cost was a factor at that point, but now I'm thinking, I'm so glad I decided to study here when you think about the thousands of dollars of debt that you accumulate in the United States studying. But no, um, coming to Holland, I was here about a year um, and I was trying to get back into therapy. And it was really difficult to find therapy that was available for a native English speaker. I do speak Dutch as well, um, but English is a much more comfortable language for me. So it was difficult for me to find that space. And I thought, wow, I'm in Amsterdam, you would think it would be easier. So then I thought, wow, okay, I really wanted to study psychology. I see a space here for me where there's probably a lot of people like me who would love to have someone who's a native English speaker who they could talk to. Um, and the fact that I do speak Dutch then does give me the advantage that I can go through the process of becoming a licensed psychologist in the Netherlands in Dutch while still being able to um, have English as a, as a main factor in my practice in English. So that's kind of like the, the 30 something year old, let's plan my future because as Anna said, we kind of always have to have a plan now. So there's that side, but then there's also the side of, I really find psychology super interesting. And I'm also the type of person that loves to help, maybe even to a fault where I'll sacrifice myself to help someone else. But that helper instinct, I feel like really matches well with going into this field where I can kind of use skills that I naturally have and then use what I learned at university to kind of make this perfect package. And already in the first year, during the year, I felt like it was extremely challenging. As Anna said, it's just 
really overwhelming to go back to school in your 30s when you haven't been studying since you were I finished university when I was 24 or something. So it was almost almost 10 years since I studied anything. And it was really hard. And I can say during the year, just challenging every single day, feeling stressed out. But it's nice now at the end of that first year to feel like, wow, I've really learned a lot. I mean, I can have conversations with people now and reference certain articles or talk about certain things that we've uh, covered in class. And I feel like it's going really well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing. Now, I definitely it resonates like both of you what you were saying, because uh, yeah, I always had a plan in my life, always, always. And like, you know, you have also not only plan A, but plan B, plan C and so on. And then, yeah, sometimes things happen in life and it's, um, yeah, it goes also sideways. Um, yeah, from my side, um, I... Yeah, I have my first degree in statistics uh, in Prague, back in Prague I studied and then I worked um, in different fields, including data analytics, consultancy, that was my last job. And then basically, uh, like I always was interested in, in, in psychology, uh, like from the very, very young age, like I still remember, for instance, that uh, when I saw homeless people on uh, on the street, I still remember this, like in my mind, I couldn't understand, like, how people end up on the street, because, uh, like, we all, like, when we are young, we have our dreams, we have our thoughts, we want to achieve something in our life, right? And how then you end up on the street? So I always wanted to understand how this can happen. Uh, and then later on, basically, I had some depression episodes. I also had some therapy, some antidepressants and these kind of things. And then later, later on, I was uh, yeah, diagnosed with bipolar disorder, bipolar 2. And when I was also attending some therapy, um, I just felt like I missed something in the sense that, uh, like, yeah, that... Um, what we are doing with the therapist is like I already know these things but like give me more so I wanted to understand myself more so this is actually why I decided that uh, this is the piece probably that I still want to listen like that I want to understand it myself better uh, what's going on what's happening how I can actually also like do some self-help as you mentioned both of you so self-learning and yeah that's why I decided actually to get back to school <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was challenging, definitely. <laughs> I think for everyone, for everyone it was challenging. I can imagine that, you know, that uh, no matter what the age, but yeah, the situation, everyone has their own like battle that it's actually yeah. uh, they're dealing with. And um, yeah, this is actually how it was for me to get back to school. And my after my thirties also like, you know, there were a lot of insecurities or like thoughts or should I do it or not? I have a gr great career. I really like my job as well. And I always liked working, but at the same time, when these depressive episodes were like coming back and I was like, yeah, but this is dead end because if it will be coming back and I like, yeah, I want to deal with it better than I could. So uh, that was one of the main decisions why I actually decided to uh, pursue the studies again and get back to school and yeah, see together with these ladies as well. <laughs> so for you, um, I'm kind of doing the, the math in my mind that you, since you have an eight-month-old, so when you started the year, you had a brand new baby. How was yes. it? What was that like? No. Yeah, 
I must say that uh, the first uh, uh, period, yes, so I was still pregnant. And basically, uh, I need to like create several plans, A, B, A, plan B, C, and so on, because I didn't know how it goes, obviously, with my first child. So I was thinking, okay, the child is a priority, obviously, but I still wanted to do the studies, right? I didn't want to like miss that year. So I was thinking, okay, I'll just start and we'll see how it goes. So uh, yeah, first period when I was, I basically just uh, passed my exams and also my due date was approximately on the, like when wow. the exams should be. Oh. <laughs> but that's a whole nother pressure. I think it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we might have a, a, I don't know, an appointment the same week or, or it's that time of the month and our exams are coming. That's a whole different. <laughs> uh, and I was like, talking to my like little one in, in the belly right like just just wait a few days okay we'll finish these exams and then you can go and come out right <laughs> so yeah it was just funny and then but she was like 13 days overdue so it's also was um uh yeah listen she said okay mom all we <laughs> yeah 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 um and then also like obviously the whole pregnancy because of my uh yeah of my um uh, diagnosis uh, it was also about like planning before and after what can happen with many co-depressive episodes so that was also luckily everything went all right with this one so like I must say that I was just lucky but this is for another time maybe mm-hmm. um yeah and then I was also lucky that I didn't have this like depression like you know this um Postpartum depression. Postpartum depression. It's uh, luckily I yeah because I think I was just mentally preparing, making all these plans. So I knew what to expect. So in this sense, I was just okay. And yeah, but handling the little one, learning her, and the school was a little bit sideways. So I like enjoyed it, but at the same time, and maybe actually this is why I didn't have this depression because I knew that I actually have studies and little one. So I just <laughs> need to concentrate on this. Yeah, I didn't have time to kind of think about oh maybe I'm sad or something I'm sorry or whatever it was a lot the first period I don't I really it's like hands down to you it's impressive how to manage a newborn and because I think what I felt about this first year is just like there's no time to breed it's literally you finish an uh, exam next day you already have you have to watch like four lectures it's like the next week's already full so I was never used to this and I feel like the the Dutch system when I did my statistics I um exam when I paid for a in Brazil for the professor to teach me to help me out because I haven't had a statistic ever in my life so and uh he he said that uh in Europe they it is a crash course you know is a six months material in a one period so it was very intense I really don't know how you manage to you know have a newborn and do that and I'm happy that you know there were no depressive depressive episodes because this can aggravate a lot but it's yeah. very impressive. I mean as a mom myself I know what it was like when I had my my son and I mean I was in bed watching friends every day for the first few months not studying for an exam (laughs) that's about the extent of my mental activity was uh just laying in bed and feeding my baby so I can't even yeah definitely commend you as well for I mean so it's kind of um I guess we're learning about that as well that we we can take on as much as we have on our plate you know so 
for everybody yeah. that's different exactly. everybody the experiences are different and we're very adaptable as well we very can. adaptable yeah and I, what you, one thing you said Eugenia really it's it very similar because for me about seven years ago I started having that internal calling in a sense but it was more like why this happens to me why am I feeling this way and I was like 26 at that time and I remember feeling like I just had bought an apartment and something that I really wanted I was doing really well on my job at the time and I said, now I'm going to be happy. And it's about this depressive episode. And I'm, I'm someone that at, up until that time, I was like, no, I don't need therapy. You know, why therapy and stuff like that? So I, I remember that was like starting this internal, like, oh, but this is not normal. Now, now I thought I was meant to be happy. Why I still feel like there's something dead inside, something missing. And that's when I started like reading books and I said, I need something. And that's when I started studying Kabbalah. And then it was a process. I did so many other things and I started therapy, uh, which helped me a lot. And then that's what, you know, led me to psychology today. So I kind of really, it, it definitely started inside like oh there's something not working pretty well and I have to understand what it is that is missing inside me and yeah that's one of the reasons why I love psychology and I'm really excited about the years to come so yeah can definitely definitely resonate with you and how things started yeah, it looks like we all have like this experience with the therapy and um, I'm curious, like, what do you think about uh, both of you? Like, yeah, if it's something that you would recommend to everyone doing or only when person really like, you know, doesn't have support or like, yeah, what do you think about it? Because I have, for instance, friends who is, I guess it's a different mentality, but uh, in Russia, like if you're visiting psychology, psychiatrist, there's like, yeah basically there is a lot of stigma and everyone said that something is not okay with you or something like that so I came from that environment so when I needed like first and was diagnosed with depression and something like that for me it was scary <laughs> and uh, so uh, because I had some things in my mind that this is like just not okay and everything and uh, yeah and but then I met friends it's like you know from from let's say western cultures yeah so uh this guy is from france for instance and he said yeah it's actually just i i haven't i'm having therapist we talk like you know every week or by or something like that so that i can just ventilate my thoughts not necessarily talk about some problems but just really talk something and you're not bothering like let's say your surroundings something like that so like what are your experiences with this i'm just curious yeah i i mean it's really interesting you say that. Um, I think when I was younger, I definitely was more um, in the mindset of that stigma, but I think it's also the times that have changed so much even in the last 10 years. But uh, I definitely thought that therapy was more for people who had, you know, serious, serious things that they had to work through um, or, you know, mental, mental issues that they had to work through. But interestingly, I feel like now I realize we all have mental issues we have to go through and we all have problems that we have to get, get through. And sometimes therapy means talking to a therapist, but also sometimes therapy means talking to your 
religious leaders. It means talking to a close family member. I don't necessarily think it has to be um, a therapist to help you get through everything for everyone. Um, but I think that, that that having a safe space where you can communicate your thoughts and feelings is something that's healthy for everyone. And I think that a licensed therapist is probably the best place where you can do that. And I think for, my, for myself, um, there was a long time that I felt that my problems weren't important enough to be able to talk to a therapist about. Um, and that put me in a box where I didn't feel like I could talk to my spouse at the time about certain things. I closed off with my friends about things. So everything stayed here. And through the process of going through divorce, which has been the hardest, hardest thing uh, on my journey, I have to say, there's been a lot of reflection there about how I got into that place and how I allowed myself to get so closed um, and not seek help when it was needed. And I feel like that reminded me that everyone has a story. Everybody has something. And I think that put me into a space where I thought, wow, I really would love to go into this field because I see that every single person that I meet has this unique experience where if I just saw them in the room, I would think, oh, they're probably fine. And then I find out that they've been through some type of traumatic experience as a child or they're going through something right now in their life or they're struggling with mental illness or they have a family member who struggles with mental illness or a friend that struggles with mental illness. So there's just a lot of different variables that determine whether someone needs help. But to have someone to talk to, I think that that's crucial. And if I look at my own life, that there was a huge part where I didn't feel like I could trust anyone to talk to. Having that space, set safe space for people, I think is extremely important. If you feel like your mother is just not healthy for you, can you talk to your sister about that? Probably not. Can you talk to your dad about that? Probably not. So to have a space where you can say things that might be ugly. I had that during my divorce where there was some really dark feelings I had and there was no way I could have expressed those to my family. So to be able to go into therapy and say these things and know that it stayed in that room was really, I wouldn't say therapeutic, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was good for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I feel like uh... I, I think if we were thought how to talk about our feelings and describe our thoughts, like since we were a child, I would say therapy is for everyone. I think everyone should have a neutral individual in their lives. And it would be nice for this to, you know, be accessible to everybody because everybody has questions and we not necessarily are able to talk to our parents because they have their own beliefs and, uh, and things like that. And I had friends that should told me that oh I've been I, I felt like I talked to someone for a year and nothing happened so I, I don't think therapy is for everybody because we are not ready to share and sometimes the therapist itself it, it is really hard because you have to find that therapies they really like when I think Heidi we talked outside and uh, she was looking for a therapist and I said I think for me it took me like four speaking to four different people to find a therapist because 
some people just like kind of hinder you. You don't feel like comfortable and uh, it, it is a process. And I think because psychology, at least from where I was raised, I come from exactly the same background as you and Virginia. Like there's this stigma when I, a few years ago, my mom, like really recently, a few years ago, my mom said, why do you th do therapies? We loved you so much. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not. And I, I wasn't sick. I was just talking because I think, and I am a person that I get tired after a while. I generally go into when things are not very good in my life and I, I go to therapy and then to stay, it's a little bit harder for me. But I'm in this particular moment right now where there's nothing really major bad happening, but I'm just talking through things and it's a process because sometimes you're not, you don't feel like you need, oh, everything is good, but it's when I have the most shifts, I feel like when things are kind of like you have the time to really discuss. So also, isn't that also kind of as far as like the differences in therapy, because I know here in the Netherlands, there seems to be more of a structure of, okay, you need therapy. So we're going to have you in therapy for this amount of weeks to deal with your issue. Mm -hmm. And then you're, I won't say they tell you that you're cured, but that it, it can be incremental like that. So kind of to follow up on what you're saying, maybe for some people, therapy means having therapy for two months, getting yeah. through a certain phase and then, you know, that you don't need it anymore. And maybe for others, it means a continuous yeah. process. And I don't have a diagnosis, so I cannot say like how it would be for a treatment. Maybe Eugenia, you could share a little bit about how is the time to when you have a diagnosis. Because I personally don't have a diagnosis, but for me, it's like just having this. You know, I need therapy at this particular. You know, I didn't mean if you were diagnosed in particular, but that is a really good question. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, first of all, maybe I also want to like also just to maybe reiterate what you said, both of you. Um, it's actually, you don't necessarily need to have a diagnosis really to have a therapy and also like not therapy, but maybe really like talk to someone, maybe more neutral, because again, you, some people have great relationship with the parents and can talk about everything. I also said, thought about this, like, you know, with my mom, I was talking about everything, but it turns out that it's actually not everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then second, probably, yeah, that's the, this diagnosis and also uh that uh yeah sometimes it can be coach in some uh countries it's called more like really like coach that you just talk about things right about your internal state and sometimes it's uh, therapy in a sense that you're actually like improving your yeah <laughs> your life <laughs> um and yeah for me so i actually had experience in czech republic in in the netherlands so in czech republic um, i was just diagnosed with depression and like the diagnosis with um, bipolar uh came came later because quite often as like we already learned as well that uh yeah quite often you um are diagnosed with depression first and only afterwards you actually realize that there is uh, yeah like some manic episodes as well coming or, or like you know that also people don't complain about manic quite often you enjoy them <laughs> you enjoy these periods like of happiness of like you know you can save the world and this kind of things and then yeah depression is hitting and then it's hard <laughs> and then when you seek help actually so in Czech Republic I actually only had an antidepressants so that actually like when I'm realizing it backwards that they probably triggered uh, mania as well, uh, which also quite often happened. Um, so, but this is again, maybe I don't want to like 
like no i don't want to talk a little bit about this because it's really at, at this time because it's really really like for longer conversation i guess um and then i had uh, yes some experience uh, with therapy here in netherlands and also as you both mentioned that it's actually a process of finding the right fit right person for you because uh, yeah at the beginning it was not very successful so uh with that one therapist uh, for instance the good thing that um helped me really because i was really suicidal so they really helped me to like let's put it this way like they they helped me to to just uh, like be a little bit above the bottom you know so that i'm not that suicidal so that that really helped but then afterwards there was no progression and really there was not a good fit so i uh was lucky to find like another so i searched a little bit uh but yeah it, uh, i found another therapist right now i'm i'm really happy with her and yes i can also talk to her things that i'm probably not very comfortable to talk with anyone else because there are some things i'm normally a very happy person and like really like uh like you know like to be with people and everything but there is some some dark side which i just maybe not necessarily want to split it all over and show in it right so and so these things i found it's very yeah very helpful plus some anxiety and these kind of things maybe that coming from time to time so yeah and uh, for me it's more like uh, I, I guess it would be an going in process for a longer period not like oh i will be cured in 10 sessions no <laughs> yeah no me too i'm definitely not like that i've been and i've been on and off for a couple of years but yeah it's been a very important process for me i feel like i as i said i didn't have a diagnosis but i know i had a lot of depressive episodes and anxiety thing that I never anxiety was funny that I only really found out after when we were in the first year like reading about it, I was like oh I had panic attacks already I had no idea it's and I think because we come we didn't talk about things like that and if you did it you're sick so it, it is this stigma even though we are you know we have this mind a lot more open to this thing it's so ingrained within us that we think that oh no I don't have that you know I'm good I'm still functioning and then when you have a second look inside you're like oh right yeah I have this and that but yeah therapy overall for me is I recommend to everybody like anybody that comes to me I think therapy go there and don't be afraid you know say everything but I know it's a process that's not for everyone I know there are some people that have a lot of difficulty to say no I need help or to be comfortable talking to other people and it's it takes some time to find the right person for you that you feel comfortable to plus it's expensive not everybody can afford you know a weekly session it's not but yeah I, I see more and more I think that's why I feel so interested about psychology like we learn in our depressive class depression classes that we don't have the workforce in the world to help people at the moment, you know? And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to um, treat depression as well, because we don't, we still don't have qualified uh, uh, people. And so that really helps me to really wanna work with this because I think there's a lot of people that are suffering that didn't need to suffer how they, as they are basically. Yeah. 
It's also like, you know, you mentioned this is maybe not even stigma from outside, but it's also like self-stigma, right? Because it's so ingrained in us. So we stigmatized ourselves first <laughs> before it actually can go even outside. So yeah, but, um, and we are afraid that it's, this can be stigmatized and yeah. So, and also, as you said that you don't have diagnosis, but as we also learned and uh, that's quite often, it's actually on a spectrum, like autism yeah. spectrum and like with many of these, it's, and exactly, it's, it's actually great that maybe, maybe you don't uh, have this diagnosis, but which is great, but this is, that means that you actually help yourself, even you prevented it, which is actually even better. <laughs> so in a sense, so not totally. Um, I'm thinking maybe we can just, you know, get back a little bit to studies uh, also. And um, maybe let's talk a little bit also how we manage the studies in a sense, what tips did we use, what worked for us to, to actually, uh, yeah, to finish this first year and uh, like enjoyed it also, I think. So any recommendations maybe for fellow students and yeah, let's yeah. share. Oh, go on. Hi, the gold, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I actually uh, read this interesting book this year called uh, Focus on All. Um, it's mostly available in English, uh, sorry, in Dutch called Focus on Ed, but uh, you can also get it in English if you reach out to them, which I did. So now I have both copies. Um, it was a really good book and a lot of what's in there is actually reflected in our studies about how our brains work and how we need to use specifically focused time to, I mean, for us for studies um, and not try to stretch it out too far. So for me, that was a, a really good source to kind of let go of a lot of the stress that I was feeling in the first period. Because when we first started, I was studying all the time. I felt like I was studying all the time. I was you know, studying all day, then taking care of everything I needed to take care of for my son. And then after he would go to bed, I would sit down and study again until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I felt like I was just tired. I wasn't getting the information in. And then after what, two periods of this and feeling really overwhelmed, I started, to, that's when I started reading the book. And I tried my best to try to implement some of those strategies to just turn the phone off, get into a space where I can really focus on what I need to do, take healthy breaks, um, not looking at any social media, actually deactivated my social media accounts during the semester or during the year um, because I knew there would be a big distraction. So that was a big one for me. But once I started doing that, it became a little bit easier because I didn't tell myself, okay, you need to study 10 hours a day to get this done. You just need to focus when you, when you can. And, um, and that really helped me a lot because that anxiety was overwhelming. I think before the biocog exam, I was, you know, since we're all doing our exams at home, I was sitting at home and I got up, I took a little break before the exam and I got up and I felt like there was an elephant standing on my chest and I'd never felt that before. And I was like, oh my, what is happening right now? Like, okay, maybe I'm having some sort of anxiety, panic attack, I don't know what's happening, but I, I felt horrible. And I thought, okay, I don't ever wanna feel like that again. I need to get this under control. So I feel like that helps just to kind of 
give myself the space. Um, what also really helped, like really, really, really helped is I uh, was part of a study group, which Anna so graciously introduced me to. And uh, that, that was everything. I mean, at times when we all just didn't want to do it, you get a message in the morning like, hey, we're doing a silent library, let's do it, you know, and you you'd sit down in front of your computer and even though we're not in the same place right now, um, everyone in our group, I think there's, we have people from Germany, um, obviously Portugal, Netherlands, uh, where else, where, where is it? Spain, Greece. everywhere, Greece. Greece. I mean, there was one girl in Jerka. We were just dying here, freezing cold, and she was just sitting there in t-shirts every day. But um, it really helped a lot to be able to have that network of people to be able to communicate with and share with the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, and lean on each other. I mean, during statistics, we were all really confused, and we decided no, it was um, MTA. That's the class it was MTA. We were all really confused about what was going on. So everyone assigned themselves a lecture. We studied that lecture, took notes, got everything that we needed to know, and then we taught each other each lecture. So I feel like those are things that, you know, the professors are not a part of that, tutors are not a part of that, but we just kind of found our own way through this pandemic, through this really strange reality to make yeah. it through. So I think yeah, that's kind of adds into the pandemic you know like what we how we managed to survive i for me i never i haven't had the experience on campus before so i meet i started on the online setting and yeah for me it was really hard i was never a brilliant study study uh, student i never really had the best grades and how oh, i could just read this once and get good grades i had to put a lot more time than everybody to get a grade and it was uh, really hard at the beginning. I didn't do well in the first period. And then I was like, I wanted to give up all those thoughts. It was like, oh my God, you're stupid. You're doing, you're over 30, why are you doing this, you know? So that was really hard for me. And I think I found a way of, I was like, I need to interact with other people and study together. One thing was like organizing. I organized my schedule. I created like my Google uh, calendar. So I know exactly what time I have, even if I don't know, I have there what I have to do. So I think my first tip would be being organized and could be able to see your schedule, like put in front of you. That is for me is paramount. I don't do anything anymore. now I always put on my schedule and that helped me a lot. And the second thing was I start recruiting people. I put on the, I went on the big group of um, the view and asked who wants to start, start studying together. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's do it. Let's try. And I know that my year just finished the way it did because of the girls. I think it's about 10, 12 of us there. And we all help each other. There's, you know, no hard feelings. You cannot come, no problem and we studied together some reset some girls got together as well so we were all there supporting each other it was really good that was definitely something and the best thing and on top of that I made great connections because I can call all of them my friends and I haven't even met them in person which is so weird I don't know we were talking about height I have no idea they look all really tall to me I wonder how it's gonna be when we meet each other yeah when we meet each other so 
Yeah, I was after the exam. After one of the exams, we had like a little um, celebration of the end of the period, and then we were all talking about different. There was a few of us that were in Amsterdam at the same time, and then we yeah. were talking about our height differences. It's like, oh, I'm 160. So me too, me too. And then a few of us ended up standing next to each other in front of the camera to show that we were all the same height. But these are like such weird things. It's almost yeah. like online dating when you finally get to meet in person. Yeah, and yes, it is interesting. And I was able to make all these connections, like really call these people my friends and I don't even know them. So that was like a way to make it through this COVID situation. And I feel I'm very happy with with how it went, how I adapted. I, I'm now scared to go back on camp, to go to campus because I never went there. So to really, how it's going to be, if it's going to take so much of my time, how uh, this is like actually what is in my mind now, not so much because I'm adapted to the online situation. It was really good for me. I don't, I had no complaints on how it went, but it's very interesting. What about you? Yeah, we actually learned it, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's actually very interesting. Yeah, that um, that this first year was very, very different from like normal. Uh, at least we already studied before. We already know how it is actually studying, yeah. but at the same time, uh, it was completely different because of this COVID, right? So that was yeah. completely distance, uh, remote, and I'm a little bit, you know, um, yeah, how, how it was like for the very, very first time students. You know, it was quite different, I guess. Absolutely. And I'm like, I feel pity for them because they like, you want to have to want to have this uh, student experience, right? You want to like study, 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 but also party, uh, get to know other people, <laughs> come to Amsterdam and enjoy life. And then this, but so yeah. Independence where when you studied before, I mean, in general, when anyone was studying before, there was a little bit more structure, even though at the food, this program is very much about independent learning. You do have lectures on campus. You do have work groups on campus. So you have some type of structure to your week. I know when I first went to university in the United States, you go from a high school structure where your whole day is decided for you. And then you go to university and you get to pick your classes, pick your schedule, but you do go to class every day. So it was like kind of like a, it was still structured, but less structured but it wasn't a huge transition. And I feel like now because of COVID, you went from really structured high school or, you know, in the Netherlands, their, their high school structure, but you go from that for those students to no structure. You only have one class a week that you have to attend on Zoom. Everything else is on your time. And I feel like that was probably really difficult for people. I know it was difficult for me. If you're telling me I have to watch four lectures a week, but I can watch them when I want to, or when I have time, then it's okay. This lecture is two hours. I don't have two hours right now. I'll do it later. And next thing you know, you're at the end of the period and you have to catch up on three or four lectures you haven't watched. So I feel like that can snowball really quickly. If as Anna said, you're not organized, you have to be so organized. But I think that when you're 18 and 19 being organized, that's, that's a whole new system. Like yeah, yeah. for us, Eugenia, like we're moms. So we have to be organized to be able to get through our day. So we've learned that skill, but kind of like the hard way. And if you're 18 or 19, I would imagine it's a little bit more difficult to do that. So, I mean, that's maybe something we can 
talk to one of our fellow students about, but that's just my, my assumption. And, and what I've seen with students that I've talked to that it's hard to just sit there all day in your own living room with your roommate cooking breakfast, you know, and you have to focus and watch your lecture with earphones on because there's other people around. It's just not, not easy. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, definitely. It's also because like for everyone, COVID was quite hard, right? You need to organize yourself being almost holding the environment, like, you know, the same environment. Yeah. And you need to make distinction between work, non-work, eat, sleep. So these things yeah. and as well, so how do you mention that snow can snowball very, very fast with the things that you need to do this, but actually I don't have right now the two hours time. So this later maybe never come or come at the very end of the period when you need to really cram everything into your memory, which we also learned that it's actually very hard. Basically, no, <laughs> nothing then remains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's for sure. Um, yeah, from me, uh, there are a few things, I guess, because I had this previous experience, so I kind of learned a little bit already how to organize myself. Uh, definitely what also Anna mentioned and you Heidi mentioned that like to have this organized to really maybe switch off the telephone the social media every all the distraction and there is also technique called Pomodoro technique um, yeah. when you kind of set the timer for at least 30 minutes um, which like also sometimes helps so you say okay you don't have two hours time but at least like let's just do this 25 minutes and then you can have five minutes break yeah. And sometimes you just need to get used into this, like, let's say, focus mode, right? Mostly after one Pomodoro or two Pomodoros, it's actually already fine. You need to start it. The, story, the truth is that I actually didn't have this time almost never this year. Um, only sometimes when we agreed with my husband that he went, for instance, outside to walk with my daughter, then I could yeah, have this like hour or hour and a half, let's say so, or in the evenings. But in the evenings, I just sit and start like, you know, so. Uh, and peanut butter helped a lot, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> peanut butter chocolate. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like my advice, but um, also like uh, I actually, I've read, uh, read the books, two books I would say maybe I would recommend like uh, in this case to maybe uh, about like learning and how would actually like study tips. Uh, one is ultra learning. And there were a lot of these techniques, for instance, like Pomodoro, how to get into this focus flow. Of, of flow. Also, what is mentioned there, what was mentioned there, what I picked up, there were a lot of things. Obviously, I picked up only what works for me. Um, that you need to focus, but you also need to defocus, which is also very important because then our brain um, uh, not, like processing and actually uh, save this information. So you're not only like, you know, learning, 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 studying, 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 but then also you need to kind of uh, like, you know, put it into your long-term memory. <laughs> and so for this, I, for instance, was using like, so for this is sleep is important and um, exercising or just uh, walking or doing something that you actually not, let's say not doing anything. So like maybe yoga as well. So this yeah. is like actually helping for I this. Read, said the same thing the focus book about that when you take the breaks or when you take the off time you can't be on your phone because if you're on your phone you're, you are using your brain to process yeah. information even or an intensive workout if it's too much you know if it's something calm and relaxing it's good but if you're having to think about the movements and all of that your brain works all the time it's not just when you're studying so we have to be mindful of that 
That's right. Uh, and a second one was for me, um, interestingly enough, because this is I've learned only recently, I think one year ago or like maybe two years ago, which actually also changed my completely my life, I would say. Uh, it's uh, Why We Sleep, book Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And uh, the thing is, I was always, always like saved my time on sleep. So I thought, okay, sleep is just for who needs sleep and I was just you know you can always basically if you want to finish something you just uh, sleep less that's it and you work and uh, study and whatever you need to do right you enjoy your life um, and yeah that's the thing that's actually sleep is very important for our memory <laughs> for studying and everything so um, I know that if I'm already tired it's just really meaningless to cram everything into your mind so yeah. it's better to have a good sleep and actually or even not a good sleep but at least even if you sleep uh, sometimes I did that during my previous studies and a couple of times this time that you even just need maybe like a nap 20 minutes or something like that and then you first of all you kind of saved these things into your memory plus you refreshed a little bit uh, definitely don't recommend to do it like all the time but basically yeah, it's better, obviously, to organize yourself better so that you have enough time for studying and also then you have enough time for sleep. <laughs> then you actually remember better things. So I mean, this... it's so simple to just basically just turn off your brain. But we are, I feel that social media, I don't have apps on my phone because I feel like if I have, it's just such an automatic thing. So I don't have it. I only go like on my computer to check social media. Like I try to limit it to that once a day because I feel it becomes like you unlock your phone and you immediately go to that to check everything that's happening. And basically all of that, what every book recommends is just turns off, stop, but stop completely. Like, and I feel like with our phones and computer all the time. And I think that's probably one difficulty of the studying from home is I feel my brain is overstimulated because when I try to like sit down and just close my eyes, it's race, my mind is racing so bad because it's so much. And then you have the, I have still have to go back to study. What time is it? And, and I find super important to do that, to just totally disconnect, but it's, it's hard these days. I feel like it's harder than normally. It's also hard because the place where we learn is also the place of our distractions. I've thought about that a lot. If you think about people who were studying in the sixties, for example, if they were studying for their psychology exam, they were in the library with some psychology books, with their reports, with their lectures, and they would be studying that material in front of them. We're studying this material on our computer, on our iPads, where you're getting notifications on the top left corner telling you about an, an email that just came in, or then your best friend FaceTimes you and then there's just so many distractions right on your screen. Or even on, if you're on a web browser, you're getting ads for things. You're getting so many different notifications. So I feel like that makes it extra challenging is we're trying to, we're trying to focus, we're trying to defocus, but the place where we need to do our work is the same place that gives us every single distraction in our lives. If you just click one more tab, then we're on Netflix and we're watching a show. It's just... And so imagine here to get defocused. Yeah, and imagine students that live in a studio flat in a city that they don't know anybody. So it's like you, if you have a living room, at least you have a second room. But it's hard. I imagine that is really difficult. 
So I was thinking actually one more thing maybe that helped me a little bit during how I managed to actually do these lectures and everything. But it, this has probably helped only me because um, I got used to listen to podcasts and audiobooks already for a long time while I was cycling. And because for me, this last year was a lot of uh, strolling <laughs> with a stroller. Yeah. Uh, everyday routine, so I could defocus, that's for sure. But also that was for me when I was listening to lectures. Mm. And uh, I think that helped me actually, uh, because I understand that some people say they cannot listen to audio books because they cannot remember them afterwards. Yeah. I think uh, for me, it's already working because I have this brain, maybe like, you know, just get used to these things. Or maybe at least subconsciously, I say to myself that subconsciously I already like at least something like, you know, will be in my brain afterwards. But this maybe like can help some people as well. I'm not sure. If you say that you don't have time at all, then at least do dishwashing and uh, listen yeah. to lectures. At least, at least something will be already in your mind. And then when you listen to it again, obviously with making notes this is like the best mm -hmm. <laughs> then um, yeah then you will have more already in your mind yeah that's true i think that that's help definitely helpful with um some of our theory-based lectures i would think like if they're um like our psychology classes but i would i do find the statistics lectures and the research methods, um, MTA, that that's definitely more, I'm a very visual person, so it helps me to be able to see it. But I definitely agree with you. If I'm doing a lecture on psychoanalysis, you could definitely listen to that and uh, get all the information you need. I don't need a picture of Freud to understand <laughs> what it's about. So. It helps to connect, but still like visual and audio, right? But still, uh, yeah, obviously. I can, I can get it without it for sure. Uh, um, yeah, I think we need to wrap up a little bit because we already uh, almost one hour. Anything you want to, I, I think we will continue these conversations and can get into more maybe uh, some book recommendations or uh, yeah, also maybe handling stress because I think it's one separate topic that we can like, yeah, always cover. Anything else that you want to maybe I'm not sure, like reflecting on the first year to like, yes, yeah, to mention. I, I was going to say for the first years that are watching this, you know, just keep it calm. It's going to be intense because you're only going to have get a break. I think May, right? I think May is when we have a real break, but keep it calm. Don't let it uh, accumulate, be organized, you know, and join forces. That's my advice, you know, join forces with other students. Don't be shy. Yeah. So speak about what you're struggling with because it's hard. It is not, we, I think I underestimated students in the past because I was never really a student, a uh, university student. So it, it's a hard process um, and it's not easy, but just keep it calm and day by day, be very organized, read the books that the girls recommended because every information helps and I'm sure like by period three, you will be on the, on the, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Yeah, I would say don't, Hi, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I know the first two periods, I was really, really hard on myself about my achievements, my grades. Just know, just put your best effort forward and it will always 
show you the rewards. And if you, you know, if you're a first year and you're not in your first period and you're like in your third period and you found yourself in a situation where you're taking your reset exam, don't let that discourage you. I mean, that if that'll be something we talk about more as well as the, the Dutch system and how things are here. But there's a reason why there's reset opportunities because it's very challenging. And just give yourself, again, as Anna said, just try to relax as best as you can, stay organized, stay focused, but know that there's many opportunities for you to, to achieve your goals. So that's been a, a big lesson for me this year is to not be hard on myself. Here I am, I'm at the end of the year, I've passed my classes, but if you would have asked me two months ago, I would have told you I'm doing horribly and I don't think I'm going to make it every day. That's how I felt. And I feel like I lost so much in being so hard on myself. If I would have just been more positive, I could have had the same outcome, maybe even a better outcome without all of the stress. So, yeah. yeah, I can only echo this, what you said. And um, yeah, like don't be harsh on yourself, but also like this asking questions, I think like ask for help if you have, if you are struggling, ask for help uh, because it's you still can prevent because then you really do something uh, like, yeah, that you can still fix it or like finish these things. And also uh, ask questions. I think like also sometimes you think, oh, it's a stupid question I won't ask. But actually, if you have this question, this question can help other people <laughs> also because maybe they have it and also they are afraid to ask. And this chat like, you know, that we had was really, really great. It was a great help for me as well. And you also don't feel that you're alone, right, doing this. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've had students say that I'm a talker. <laughs> That's just me. And during class, I'm always asking questions and speaking up. And I spoke with another student and I said, you know, sometimes I worry that people might not like me because I'm always chiming in. And she said, honestly, as someone who's always afraid to chime in and afraid to ask questions, when you ask, I'm like, oh, at least Heidi asked the question or at least Heidi gave the answer. So that was really nice to hear from me because I felt so insecure about it that I was just doing too much. and. You never know, you might be helping someone else by asking or by you know, giving feedback. Same, same, yeah, yeah. Ladies, thank you so much for your time. Like it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, let's do it again. So it. I, until next time. Thank you. <laughs> See you Have soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed, please don't forget to subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at psychologyinsideout.podcast where we update our listeners on upcoming episodes and much more. Thanks and until next time.